here at the Going Green for Ag event, and great opportunity to talk with Josh Vollmer with the Anderson Company. And Josh, a fascinating presentation that you just made today. And I think you did it without taking a breath, but that's how troubling in some regards that the situation is. Let's try and render this down and give some takeaways that will maybe help people understand the situation that we're in a little bit more. I think they've got maybe a little bit of a false narrative. Let's start through the national media to say Russia, 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 and blame all of this on them. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a much larger piece going on right now, especially as it relates to the global commodities market. And so uh, my area is fertilizer. And, and I think that you could probably apply a lot of what you're seeing to fertilizer to a lot of other markets right now. So the world has weaponized our reserve currencies, specifically the U.S. dollar and the euro. And we've ended up resulting in, in a scenario where you have less access to a lot of the global's commodity markets. And, and so you're starting to see this out of Russia, but you're also starting to see this in global energy markets overall. And so this energy uh, drive is is global and it's worldwide and it's going to impact all of us. I think a fact that's probably really important to understand going in is is that this escalation in fertilizer prices started way before this Russian and Ukraine issue. Absolutely, yeah. This is this is a story that's been going on for almost a year and a half, and so it started back in the summer of 2020 when uh, the Mosaic Company first introduced a countervailing duty suit against Russian and Moroccan producers, and so that was the very first piece that happened. And then from there, you started to see that China started to buy more of our corn, which, which led to a, a surge in prices. You also saw a Brazilian drought that led to higher grain prices, which again uh, led to a cycle where commodity prices started to rise. And then you continued to add additional government interventions on and, and other methods of geopolitical risk, specifically additional countervailing and anti-dumping suits. The Chinese one is probably the most uh, widely recognized one uh, from the Trump era, but that has held over even through the Biden administration. You know, one of the reactions I hear uh, people in conversation say is, is that, well, we'll just begin to produce the stuff ourselves. I think that people understand that we can't and we don't have available natural resources to produce all of it ourselves. We do have Canada as an ally, obviously. But this boils down to a point that you were making in your presentation, which was we still live in a free enterprise situation. And if somebody's going to get a better deal by selling it elsewhere, it might not be available to us. Yeah, you're seeing that today where Brazilian farmers are paying up for fertilizer products, as an example. And so uh, fertilizer products have certainly gone up substantially since the the war in uh, Russia and Ukraine has has broken out. But uh, if you look at... A lot of countries are very heavily reliant upon uh, Russian supply and really European supply in general. And Brazil's one of those countries where over 40% of their potash comes from Russian and Belarus sources. And so even before this war started, the U.S. had cut off Belarus product to much of the world. And, and if you think about what that is in percentage terms, they, they've cut off about 15% of the world's potash supply to the entire world through our banking system. Let's shift gears here just a little bit because the fertilizer conversation is really in the context of the larger conversation, which has to do with the commodities. I mean, population can't eat fertilizer, but it's what comes from fertilizer that we can eat. So that larger conversation has to do with global food supplies. At this point, some of the situations that we had last year that are going on this year, and particularly if you take a look at South America, where they had some weather issues, they're into their saprina corn crop now. But because of the losses in the first corn crop, I'm hearing that a lot of that corn is going to be first dedicated to their beef industry, which is huge for them. And now we're hearing that, you know, with drought conditions in the western U.S. grain belt, well, you look out three to six months and... 
things are kind of troubling. Give us a sense about what you're seeing in your world. Yes, yeah, so you're starting to see this on the front end from a commodity standpoint. Your input prices are going up. The, the grain price has, has gone up. And what I don't think consumers have felt at this point is the impact of those price increases. And, and if you start to get a little bit further out, we're still using old crop corn to produce product today, to produce food goods, to produce ethanol. And as you get into new crop corn and as you get into uh, new commodities that need to be purchased, it's substantially higher. And so that is going to feed its way all the way through the supply chain to finished goods, to food costs, to many of the items that you're purchasing today. And so all of that is going to further build upon a lot of the supply chain challenges that we've already seen uh, since COVID first hit. So is all of this going to work its way through by way of prices? Because in a recent fairly substantial survey, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a whole lot of big changes in terms of what's going to get planted in terms of planted acres this year. And this business about kicking some stuff out of CRP, what's that going to get us? Maybe another 2 million acres? And that is not the most productive ground. So where are we headed? So our, our view is certainly bullish in terms of where commodity prices are headed. Uh, we, we're of the belief that uh, the world's supply and demand across all agricultural commodities is very tight today. And so that, that leads to a situation where you're going to continue to probably see this t- uh, go on for an extended time frame. And let's say that Putin decides tomorrow that he's going to end the war. He's going to return all of his troops to Russia. You're still going to see a long-term impact based upon the war because it wasn't just the Putin war. You, you also had ongoing supply chain challenges throughout the world, including places like China. You saw higher freight rates. You saw vessel availability. Uh, a lot of these things ha- have had a long-term impact, and, and they're not going to go away overnight, even if the war were to end. Josh Bulmer with the Andersons. Thanks so much for your time. Very instructive. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Podcasts by Federated Media.